The recipe for a high converting sales page needs to blend an irresistible offer with a very specific audience. Yet it's amazing how many business websites, landing pages or sales pages don't convert because they have either tatty ingredients or miss crucial ingredients out. So in this episode, I'm sharing the five ingredients and a recipe for how to put them together. See you in a moment. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every week I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello and welcome. Today we're talking about sales pages and uh, high converting sales pages, which is what we all want. High converting sales pages connect with the target audience, clearly say what's on offer and move your ideal buyer towards action and purchase. In this episode, I'm sharing five ingredients you should always include in every sales page and a recipe for how to put them together in the right order and the right amounts. The recipe needs to blend an irresistible offer with a very specific audience. Yet it's amazing how many business websites, landing pages or sales pages I see that don't convert because they have either tatty ingredients or miss crucial ingredients out. When you have good ingredients and practice the recipe, you can create a high converting sales page that works effectively to move prospects to take action on the next step in the buying process. Your sales page is a crucial element in converting prospects into calls and customers. You can have the best product or service ever, but if you don't have a good messaging and a good sales process, all the work generating a lead and nurturing those contacts will be wasted if people fall through the cracks before you can enroll them. Jay Abraham's advice is always in my mind when designing a sales page. He said, there is only one way on earth to influence other people. Talk about what they want and show them how to get it. You attract your ideal client by talking in their language about what they want, why it's important to them and how they can get it. Making an offer and adding some incentives is simply a service to your clients to help them say yes to achieving the outcome you deliver. With this in mind, in my view, there's two good rules to follow for an effective page. Rule number one, the page should have a purposeful and directive structure to direct your visitor to your most wanted response in a way that serves them. Rule number two, your sales copy needs to speak to the conversation going on in your prospect's head, their wants, needs, hopes, fears, objections, and so on. Okay, so first, I'd like to lay out some of the principles for a good sales page recipe, and then there's an outline for the actual ingredients. Let's talk about the first job of the sales page, and that's to capture your ideal audience's attention and take them on a journey of discovery with you. There are three musts. 
First, you must understand and articulate your target market's problems, context, and point of view. Second, you must create a compelling and irresistible offer that clearly conveys what you can deliver that addresses their needs specifically. Third, you must enter into a conversation of what you're all about, inviting them to make a small initial commitment to actively step forward. For B2B, this is to book a call with you rather than to buy my product. This customer journey concept is what helps you convert your visitor into a customer or a client. You help them with the buying decision. Of course, the sales page or even the sales enrollment call isn't doing the whole job. How they found you, whether they looked you up, and if they're on your list and getting welcoming, nurturing messages from you already. These are also factors in moving people through to a purchase. And of course, the higher the price, the longer the process of nurturing that's required for them to know you, like you and trust you. Keep in mind that when someone lands on your page, especially if they don't know much about you yet, they need to know A, that they're in the right place and B, what to do next. So you're always guiding them. You're always taking them by the hand through the kind of mental decision making process, what we call the psychology of buying or the psychology of sales. Okay, so let me give you five checkpoints, if you like, for reviewing an existing sales page. It's a kind of quick checklist that there's sort of five pieces to the puzzle for creating an effective sales page. One is structure and specificity. Two is engage and educate. Three is credibility and customers. Four is attraction and attention. And five is call to action and enroll. So let's go through each of these in turn. So first of all, structure and specificity. What do we mean by this? Well, the structure of your sales page is about taking your visitor who lands on the page on a journey with you, as I said before. They need to get to know you, like you, trust you before they will buy from you. Part of that is also about demonstrating that you understand specifically who they are and what they need. So really, a lot of your market research needs to be geared towards being able to use the kind of problem language that your customers or potential clients are going to use. So that when they actually look at your page and they read your copy, your messaging is really in tune with the conversation that's going on in their head. So it's kind of like an inverted sales conversation. You're taking them through a thinking process to see if what you do is a fit for what they want. The objective of your sales copy and messaging is for the prospect to feel you're in their shoes, reading their mind, and your offer is like, oh my God, that's exactly what I need. If you remember back to last week's episode, my interview with Rebecca Tracy, I mean, Rebecca is really the queen of being able to do this, to be do the proper market research and really be able to do some very, very strong messaging that totally speaks to that conversation in their potential customer's head. As a sales page, your aim is to hit most of the major psychological buying triggers and overcome most of the typical objections people will have. But remember, you know, this is a human interaction. I mean, there's a recipe and there's ingredients, but at the end of the day, you're speaking to another person and you're trying to get that empathy. Um, It depends a little bit on the business that you have, but you're really trying to get to the heart of the benefits and impact of what your product or your program 
can achieve for someone. Um, and then to be able to convey that in, in, a, in a clear and convincing way. I've included an outline of what to put into your sales page and in what order so that we'll get onto specific ingredients in our recipe in a little bit. So the second point here is the engage and educate part of the equation. Your site brand and title, the above the fold, top of page heading, needs to show clearly the purpose and audience for the page. I come across so many pages where you kind of land on it and you just think, that's not what I thought I clicked on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, why am I here? So really make sure that it, you are speaking to the specific audience. And that's one of the problems with a sales page that is quite generic. And it's why in marketing we say, you know, specificity um, is cool, is the key. Because the engage process starts with that very first landing on your page. That's why we call it a landing page. It has to have a strong title and an image or a video that's very relevant. And, and videos, short videos on a, on a landing page or a sales page are really powerful. People are very drawn to photos of people, to animation, and particularly to videos. If you can truly connect with the key issue, problem, struggle, or frustration that your ideal client is having and like package that into a, a really clear heading that speaks to that problem, then really as they go about their day-to-day -day and then they come across their, your, something on your page, it's really going to sort of jump out to them because thinking, God, that's what I was just thinking about. So you need to provide this kind of authenticity to your messaging that engages as well as then taking them on a journey to educate them into becoming a little bit more problem aware, which helps to close the gap towards the solution that you offer. So what you're telling them really has the potential to, to help them out before they've even bought something from you. They sort of think, get that aha kind of moment. And, and then once you do that, you're really a, a long way uh, um, in creating that sort of sense of trust. So you're, you're, you're there halfway maybe to enrolling them as a client because they see you as the solution provider. For B2B from the outset, you need to be speaking to the problem language of the decision maker. So the person whose role and responsibility um, in the company is to meet their organizational needs. So although your program or your product may serve their staff or their, their teams, it's actually the person making the decision about whether to buy your product or your program to support their staff. So it's kind of a level above the actual benefic direct beneficiary of what you do. And this is where people sometimes get a little bit unstuck when they're kind of trying to apply B2C, business to customer, directly then to a B2B um, prospect. And, and it doesn't kind of fit because um, you're, you're sort of selling the message below the real message, if you like. So um, in their head, these people in the businesses, in the companies, they, they want to be convinced that this is the right thing to ensure that they find the right solution for the benefits and impact that they want to achieve for their organization. So not just for the people who um, you work with on the course or on the program. Further down the page, you can talk about the benefits to the people that they will put onto the training program or to the coaching program or to the um, mentoring that you provide um, in terms of the outcomes and impact on them. And your testimonials will really be able to speak to the client end 
or to the service user end. So there's that kind of distinction. You, you're kind of talking to two audiences. So it's just to be mindful of that. And a lot of people, they actually create um, what, what sometimes is called a one sheet, you know, like a, a one to two page PDF, which is a, a kind of a form of your sales page that's specifically for the decision maker. And it helps them to make a case to whoever has to make the financial decision whether or not to invest in your program to the support of your staff. Okay, so the third one here is attraction and attention. So this is the the part of the recipe which is a lot to do with the whole aesthetics of your page. So there's a few basic rules I can cover really quickly, which is don't overclutter, space out the text, use headings, sections, images, people pictures, white space, make it colorful and make sure it's on brand. Lisa Sasevich, the queen of sales conversions, she advocates talking 90% about the outcome or transformation that you deliver. That is the issues, solutions, benefits and impact we were talking about earlier. And she suggests you spend just 10% actually on the delivery model. So that's kind of like your service or your program features and format. An outcomes-focused offer becomes irresistible to your audience because it's totally focused on showing people you understand their problem. It's a natural next step to explain how what you do serves their needs and wants. The fourth area here is credibility in customers. Unless you're using a standalone landing page, make sure the site menu is visible so that people who don't know you um, can get to know you. So they, you know, you need to have that kind of credibility, that sort of expert status. And they won't get that necessarily from a sales page alone. They'll get that from kind of having a mooch around your site. So make sure the site menu is visible so they can navigate around and discover more about you. And make sure your branding is consistent across your social profiles, websites, and email signatures, because people will sometimes hop off a sales page and they'll go and check you out. They'll Google you, they'll go to your LinkedIn profile or your social media handles, and they will just want to look at what it is you're doing and really get a sense of, is this someone that I can work with, who I can trust? It's important to add in social proof for exactly the same reasons. Depending on your business, this can be anything from formal testimonials from clients to informal email feedback and screenshots, say, of comments in social media. And this doesn't have to be people who are just like customers for your main core program. It can be people you've worked with in an informal way or people who have perhaps gone through a free version or or had a free report from you. Sometimes these things come along quite randomly and, uh, you know, it's really worth getting in the habit of picking up these these little comments and tucking them away somewhere in a file so that you can use them um, at the relevant points in different sales pages. Now, it's not usual to include long case studies on a sales page, but if you have those and, and you need kind of to get into the detail for people to understand exactly how you turn a business around or, or help somebody with a complex problem, um, particularly if you're on the consulting side, but what you can do is show excerpts, excerpts, I don't know how to say that word, <laughs> excerpts, 
Um, and link to a case study page somewhere else on your website. Um, or some people use Trustpilot type sites. If you've got, you know, positive reviews that, um, that you can kind of capture on there. Okay, so the fifth one is the call to action and enrolling people. Uh, what you need to do is to make it easy for people to take action. It's amazing how difficult sometimes it is to to actually make a purchase, to actually, you know, get to that final stage, you know, when you want to make a move. And so a lot of people, if they're only 90% decided to go forward with you, will just abandon cart. You know, they will just like close the page and they'll go somewhere else. The call to action, therefore, on your site, what we call the CTA, needs to be super, super clear and positioned actually at multiple points in the sales page because people will scroll, they will hop around. Um, you know, they want to know kind of what to do next, though. At some point, they will think, yeah, I think I might go forward with this. And so for some pages, if you wait till the very end, if it's quite a long page, then you may have lost them along the way because they're just like, okay, what do I want to do? Some people will scroll to the bottom and some people won't. For some pages I've created for clients, I've even put in a heading that says what to do next, just to make it absolutely clear. Because sometimes there's a really big confusion in the customer journey experience feedback, say, that comes up. Um, and really that was a reflection on the sales page or the sales process. It's widely known in buying psychology that the real reason people buy something is, is, is almost always emotional. Believe it or not, no matter what you're selling or what kind of audience you have, even the most sort of deductive, technical-minded people, um, they often are making consciously or subconsciously an emotional decision first and foremost, whether they're going to get a, a sense of you and a gut feeling, that kind of thing. And people then usually feel obliged to back up an emotional buying decision with logic. And that's the reason why sales skills, handling, objections and all of that kind of thing can be really quite helpful. But if you manage those objections up front and if you understand this sort of the emotional side of, of people buying things, especially high, high priced products or programs, then you're really sort of a step ahead and, and you'll find that the if you have enrollment conversations with people, you'll find that a lot of those objections can be overcome by some really good copywriting in your sales page. Because my belief is that if your marketing and your copywriting does its job, 80% of the rationalizing is taken care of. So the sales effort becomes quite minimal. And even if they've bought into you and feel what you offer is right for them and perhaps even decided they want to buy, it's often an emotional response to your offer if you've matched with their pain points and desires. People need that logical argument then to support what's going on in their head before going ahead with the decision. So it's the same kind of principle. And, and with B2B, it's, it's, not, it's not that dissimilar. You kind of think that these people are a lot more... Um, clinical in the way that they make decisions about investing in particularly training and, and coaching and, and consulting. Um, but actually, a lot of it is down to emotions around perhaps they've been burned in the past, perhaps they haven't kind of got what they wanted um, out of it, or maybe the person wasn't a fit. So there's still a kind of a, an emotional fear in there sometimes going on. 
But it's also the case that some of it is like, well, if I don't get this thing sorted, then I'm not fulfilling my role. So in terms of their personal situation in the job, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can come into it. So for B2B, the call to action is not necessarily a buy now button. Um, and certainly for products above one to two K, even for B2C, it's unlikely to be a one-step buying decision. They need a call. They need to speak to a person um, and get some questions answered and just get that emotional kind of feel for the person that they're going to be doing business with. The exceptions where they know you well and you're sending them to a booking page. So, you know, if it's already somebody that, that you kind of know you've had a conversation with or that you're connected through other through a referral, through other ways, it can be a different kind of, you might not need a sales page. You can just go straight to a, um, to a booking page. And although we're working towards having a packaged offer, you know, your core program, and we'll be talking about that in a future episode, there's often quite a lot of flexibility with B2B um, that, that sometimes the package, the, the offer can be customized for each client. So, what you put on your sales page isn't necessarily cut and dry, but it's your core offer with some uh, maybe options which could be additional upsells. So, for example, sometimes um, you need to say that there's a minimum of so many people that you need on the program. So there could be some criteria for, um, for the price negotiation. So based on, say, minimum and maximum numbers. Your CTA really is to book, I think, for B2B would be to book an exploratory call to discuss specific needs. But it's really worth having that kind of package quite clearly laid out on your sales page and certainly in your head so that when you're having that conversation, you've at least got a very clear starting point. OK, so I want to go to a recipe now for a high converting sales page. So this is like three steps and I teach this in my book. Um, and I find that, you know, no matter what I, what I kind of see in the differences across pages, um, these things are always there and they're nearly always in this order. So there's 10 key pieces of content that any sales page needs. And the aim is to craft and reiterate these so that you're articulating what you offer and why it's important and you're agitating the problem to some extent so that you get them kind of excited about there being a solution. So the aim is to craft this so that it leads to a decision that says, yes, we need this. And the 10 pieces are number one, headline and subheadline. Number two is the intro video if you have one or at least use a relevant people orientated photo so either something around you and your team or something around a group of people which is a typical um, image for how you support with people how you work with people number three is the problem solution story so build into there a, a couple of stories this can be related to your testimonials or your feedback but quite often it's a story of why you do what you do. It's your story as to how you came to be offering this kind of support to other people. Number four is then to move into the overview of your program and service. And if you've done the job correctly of, of kind of lining this up, it should be a, a natural flow from, you know, 
outlining the problem to saying, and here's the program and this is why it looks the way it looks. By this point, your ideal customer or service user should be recognizing that what you're offering could help them. But next, they will want to know exactly what they would be getting, what it is going to cost and whether it would work for them. Because, you know, people have a lot of concerns sometimes of like, well, this might work for other people, but I've tried this and that and it's never worked for me. So everyone's a special snowflake, right? So what you need to do then is um, in this recipe is to add in a couple of case studies. So that's point number five. Case studies and testimonials, really you just need two or three at this point, just to kind of start that melting away of that objection of like, you know, am I like these other people? Are their businesses or are their needs the same as mine? And then you can actually start to put in your first call to action, like a button with, with prices and plans, which is really your most wanted response. So if you kind of got them hooked by now and it's a good fit, so the people who are the most ideal for this may well be already ready to buy now or to book a call. So at this stage, you can also show any options, um, your payment plans, but you could actually wait till later. So it could be that you just present the core option um, and then you use the, op the other options to as a way to deal with, with further objections. It's like, well, this is a bit fixed for me, so I need something more customized. So at this point, you could just put in something around, you know, customized options are available. See, you know, we'll explain further down or something like that. So you're going to you're going to be at the stage now where you want them to feel confident to say yes to working with you. So we start to add in number seven, which is a guarantee. So the conditions, the time frame, that kind of a, a checklist for them to sort of see you know, what are, what are the reasons why it wouldn't work for you? Um, and, you know, why we feel confident to offer this guarantee. Number eight, sometimes people add in a team bio. And again, it, it depends on whether you've put a photo of you guys um, or whether that's kind of quite clear on you on your website. But the team bio sometimes is about the people that are actually delivering the program or the service. And it really helps people to feel that there's a real person involved and it's not some kind of you know, especially because it's online mostly these days and, it, and people really just want to get that sense of connection. So a team bio where you've got names and headshots really help to make those personal connections. And here again, you can add in a further set of pieces, you know, pieces of feedback, comments, um, short case studies and testimonials. Add some more in there just to sort of start to build up that picture of like other people who have benefited from what you do. And then you can follow by another call to action. So it could be exactly just a repeat of the same thing if it's not too big a section, if it's just like a, a button to book a call. Um, and really after that, um, you, you need to sort of put in some things about creating a sense of urgency, if you like, like a deadline or a special bonus. And then finally, number 10 is just a simple sign off with got your footer at the bottom. So people know that they've reached the bottom of the page for a start. Um, but it's also, you know, it can be help, helpful here to provide a link or a button to go back to the top of the page um, or to make sure that they don't miss where they were supposed to take action. Step three is where you're really applying best practices for sales page design. So it goes back to what we were saying needs to be in the recipe. 
you've got an appropriate structure and you've got layers of content for your sales page. So you need to make sure the design is working for you, not against you. So don't clutter things up. Use lots of spacing and different size headings. Don't use overly garish colors just to make things stand out, but make sure that there's quite a lot of contrast and a sort of a change in um, if you were speaking, you, we would say a change in tone and pace. But but what you want is is some kind of sense that things jump out of the page at people that are the most important. So follow proven best practices in terms of font styles and colors, layout and use of white space. And you can find that if you Google those kind of things for web page layout and good design. Make your sales page easy to scroll and scan read. Because people, you know, they will not read it cover to cover, so to speak. They will not read it one line at all. They will, they will move around um, and they will kind of just scan by eye. So by using lots of big visuals and breaking up heavy chunks of text with subheadings and bullets and lists and white space, you know, you're really helping them to engage, make the page engaging, helping them to engage with what you're saying um, whilst they're still kind of moving down through that journey, through that thinking process. Um, and as I said before, photos of, of you, photos of your team, photos of your clients, photos of people working in groups happily. Um, you know, nowadays it might be like a group Zoom call even. It really just brings alive, you know, what it would be like to work with you. It, it's sort of in, it's quite enlightening. It's sort of inspiring and, and it brings a sense of, of trust as well. If your sales page is long, be happy, don't worry. For now, I just want to tackle a common concern that business owners have when they see the long list that I've just provided for you or when they see their sales page once all the pieces are in place and they think, well, that's a bit long. No one's going to read all that. But that's exactly the point is they hop around. So that's why everything is placed in that order. And with all those pieces in there, you know, it, it can look a lot, a very, very long, but it, it actually is very effective. It does work. And why we put the call to action or CTA lots of times through the page is simply so that people, they're at different, they take different lengths of time to make a decision or to decide if it's for them. Um, so you, you really want to make sure that you're helping people to click that button, if you like, when they're ready. And for sure, you know, not everyone's going to read the whole sales page. That's the that's definitely something that um, none of us really do. Um, I don't think we do it with anything nowadays, you know, whether you're reading a newspaper or, or even a, a book, particularly if it's not a novel where you, you know, you want to hop, skip around. That's why I included so many subheadings and chapters in my book so that people could really, you know, pick out the things that, that jump out to where they're at in their business journey. And some people will also hop around looking for the price. <laughs> I bet we've all done that. And so, again, sometimes it's good to, to, to make sure that that's not too high up so that they do get some kind of education and, and engagement in what you're offering. But, um, you know, sometimes putting, making sure that the pricing's at the end will get the people who have just scrolled to the bottom. They like what they see, but they want to know if it's affordable. And some people, as I say, will, will be convinced much earlier and be ready to take action. And others will need more information, more persuasion, if you like. And that's one reason, you know, we, we push this, the pricing section towards the end. And some people don't actually include pricing at all, especially, you know, if you're get, trying to get people on an enrollment call. So 
you know, people who are buying based on cost actually don't end up having their own bias working against them if you put the pricing further down. Um, it's just a little bit, again, of psychology. My view is that those who skip to the price and then leave without reading much aren't really my ideal clients anyway, so it's no big deal. Okay, so I hope that was helpful to everybody listening. And I want to finish with a blatant plug for my book, but there's much more detailed explanation on why these components are important and the job they're doing for you. And if you haven't got a copy, it's Leveraged Consulting in the Digital Age. You can get it in paperback, Kindle or audiobook formats now. And if you do have a copy, go to chapter five on Leveraged Sales. One of the reasons I put all this in the book is because I know people need this advice and it's good practical guidance that's going to help you make changes and get your sales page converting. So um, please do get back to me on, on email and my contacts and social media are all in the show notes for this, along with some links uh, for how you can take the next stage with me, working with me, if that's what you'd like. So I'm totally open to having conversations with people because this is what I do and it's what I love. And so if I can help you at all with your sales page and um, getting that right, then please do contact me and we'll see where we're at. But for this week, that's all from me. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So, hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.